We have so much to do. We're so much further behind, in my opinion, than most people think we are. We're still going through the acknowledgement phase. We're still acknowledging the sins and the injustices. You can't get anywhere until you at least get to the point where people can acknowledge that there is wrong. In, in the process of healing, acknowledgement is the first step, right? You have to acknowledge you have a problem. And I don't even think we're fully through that. You know, the 1800s to 2020, right? It's the amount of time that it took for us to get from emancipation to reconstruction to the civil rights movement to now. And then what has that gotten us? I, I, would, I would argue we've been getting to the point of acknowledgement and it took that long in order to do it and we're not through it yet. Every business, whether or not they realize it, is an idea business. The people at Gray have a long history of creating famously effective ideas. And so, with Gray Matter, we explore the ideas shaping our world. We ask creative minds from all corners of life how they came up with their best ideas. And that's what matters for Gray Matter. On this episode of Gray Matter, we'll examine an idea that's so big, its sole ambition is to generate more ideas that focus on creating a positive change in the world. Hi, I'm John Patrols, Worldwide Chief Creative Officer at Gray. And this week's idea is the Creative Coalition Saturday Morning, an organization that aims to bring awareness to and shift perceptions on racial bias and injustice through creativity. We'll speak with one of Saturday Morning's co-founders, Keith Cartwright, who I'm proud to say is a longtime friend. Keith, who recently launched his own agency called Cartwright, connected over a Teams call with Gray senior planner Janelle Biggs about his motivation to start Saturday Morning, the difficulty of balancing a passion with your day job, and what he learned along the way in growing this idea organically. Founded in 2016, Saturday Morning has partnered with Procter & Gamble on The Look, a powerful film created to celebrate black male pride. In this episode, Keith and Janelle talk about a man named Mark Pritchard. If you don't know Mark, he is P&G's chief brand officer. Mark's a legend in the advertising world and a longtime client of Gray. Saturday Morning has also partnered with Spotify on two black history film projects, one that featured Janelle Monet and Pharrell, and the other was in concert with the Smithsonian Museum of African American History and Culture. The Peace Brief, another Saturday morning project, was formed on a simple idea of displaying the message, My Life Matters, across the waistband of a pair of briefs. This idea was awarded a silver lion at Cannes. The team at Saturday Morning have been written about in Forbes, Billboard, Fast Company, Adweek, Ad Age, Campaign, and The Source. I could go on and on about all of the great things Keith and his organization have accomplished, but I'll let you hear from him. This is Keith Cartwright. It was conceived from a moment of desperation. Um, I was on my way to uh, a production, on my way from a production in Los Angeles, and um, I had just got the news about Eric Gardner and Philando Castillo and how they were brutally murdered. Uh, and that happened within a week of each other. And um, I was devastated. This is 2016. And I didn't know what to do. So I reached out to uh, my friends, um, Jimmy Smith, Jeff Edwards, Gianta Jenkins. I shot them a text and I said, uh, we need to get together and talk. We need to get together and say something. And for me, the talking was about you know, the, the therapy that I personally needed to kind of get through this moment with people who I knew could understand what was going on and could sort of feel the same pain that I was feeling. 
But the say something part of it was, in my mind at the time, us saying something to the advertising community uh, as people who had of color, who had been in the business for a while. Um, it just felt like the right thing to do was to put something out and, and make a statement. And that's what it was going to be originally, was just a letter. We were going to write a letter to the ad rags and just essentially describe what it was that we wanted um, them to know in regards to how we were feeling. And that letter um, turned into what, what is Saturday morning. Um, we, we wrote the letter. Um, it, was, it was essentially a call to arms for anyone who was willing to join us in essentially putting messages out into the world uh, that were relevant to the moment to help bring awareness to the fact that, you know, black lives to some didn't seem like they were as important as other lives. And we wanted to create, you know, we wanted to use our creative ability to craft these messages, uh, to put this message out into the world. And, and uh, that's what we did. And that, that formed Saturday morning. And Saturday morning is uh, derived from a quote from Dr. King. Dr. King said, the most divisive day in America is Sunday morning um, because everyone goes to their, their churches and, and synagogues and what have you. And, and even though they worship a God, they are, are separated in doing that. And so for us, it was like, let's get in front of that. Let's, let's make Saturday morning a day of, of unity, a day about coming together and uh, a day about equality and change. Um, but just to take a quick step back, what was the initial reaction when you founded Saturday Morning? What did the industry, if you will, say about mm -hmm. um, the organization? You know, I don't know if they knew what to make of it. I think our intent was always in the beginning to just be kind of a, a consultancy. You know, at most we would come in and, and maybe talk to brands about things that they were doing or maybe even, uh, you know, discuss things that they could do better at, at a business level. Uh, but, you know, allowing our creativity to uh, find its way more into strategy and consulting. But that didn't last long. <laughs> we got a call from Mark Pritchard pretty, pretty quickly, and he wanted to put something out into the world, and he wanted to use our, our ability to make things uh, to do that. And so we partnered with Mark and um, created things. And then we decided, you know what, we, we refuse to call ourselves an agency. We're a nonprofit. Um, we're a very, obviously a very small group of people who, you know, we hire out vendors and do what we need to do to make the work. Um, and, and because it's for the love of, and, and to help, you know, bring about change, um, you know, we, we don't, we don't consider ourselves an agency. We, we, we're more of a, just a creative conglomerate, uh, collective, if you will. All, all based in, in, in what we want to do, which is bring change. The recognizing that creativity has the power to, to change the conversation, to change hearts, to change minds is really inspiring. So at what point, I mean, I think I know the answer to this, but is there a single moment? I know you mentioned you, you know, Mark Pritchard reached out to you. Was there a single moment that you knew that you, as a, you know, as a nonprofit, that you were onto something? Yeah, you know, it's chemistry, right? I think the chemistry of the founders, I think we all realized very quickly that we could work together. 
We could come up with ideas quickly. Um, we got, we obviously got this space because we, you know, we live it every day. Um, so there's, a, there's deep insight. And then we were all very passionate about doing something, changing whatever small portion of the world we could with um, what we have. So I think even before, you know, Mark Pritchard reached out and we would just have, you know, we've been having weekly stand-ups now for almost four years. So every Saturday, oh, I'm sorry, on Sunday. It's ironic. We get on the phone on Sunday mornings, but we're called Saturday, or Saturday <laughs> morning. But every Sunday we get on a call and we sit around and we talk about what, where we are, what we're doing, and, and what we want to do. And it's, it's like family. And, and you, realized, you realized then that anytime there's, a, there's an objective, um, this group of people will at least tackle it in a way that's uh, insightful and smart and human. And if we get it right, powerful. Right. Can you share a little bit more? Because I think it's really interesting. You talk about the dynamics of the group, because um, I'm sure that you guys are, while all people of color, black people, that you come to the to the table with different perspectives. You probably all grew up in different neighborhoods. Can you talk That's to right. us a little bit about the dynamics and how you guys make, continue to make that work four years later? We're all very different. And I think we all have, um, I mean, there are, each of us has strengths and weaknesses, but we counterbalance those strengths and weaknesses. And um, I think we've, over the three and a half, four years that we've been together, uh, realized now how to leverage those strengths and weaknesses. Um, and and we don't we don't even question it anymore. We know that you know Kwame is really good at this, and Jeff is really good at that, and Jayanta is really good at this, and I'm I'm really good at something else, um, which allows us to move faster. So I mean, and, and it varies, right? There's it's not just one thing, right? It's multiple things. Each of us has multiple gifts and or, or things that we don't like to do, and it's not even necessarily a weakness. I think sometimes it's just you know people sometimes people just don't like doing certain things, therefore they don't do it well. And, um, and, and we, we even acknowledge that at times, like, you know, Jeff, this is your thing. You're better at that than I am. So are you okay handling that? And nine times out of 10, he says, yes. <laughs> so <it's, laughs> that's always great when you have such, uh, awesome friendships or relationships that, that go beyond just the work that you're continuing to do. Um, so as we think about the dynamics and as you started to grow and build as, a, as an organization, as a nonprofit, I can imagine that there are moments where, especially when you start to see and hear the same things happening over and over, which is typical of the Black experience, how do you guys stay centered? How do you stay inspired to continue to do this work? I mean, I know it might sound like a silly question, but it, I mean, as a as a creative, I can imagine that you want to be in, you you seeking inspiration from different places. So, how do you guys stay centered? I think we really believe in this cause. I think we see just based on uh, people's reaction to the things that we've been doing that it's an important work. Um, we believe that we're making some kind of impact and change on people. And uh, I think we love this group, right? We, I think we really like being on the phone and, and sharing stories about not just the work that we do, but our, you know, our families and our daily lives. It's, it's turned into that. So it's always good when it doesn't feel like work anymore. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we spend, it's our nights and weekends that we, we work on Saturday morning and, uh, it's, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but it truly is a labor of love. We do it because we love it and we love each other and, and we want to make 
uh, a sizable difference uh, in this industry uh, as best we can. Yeah. And just switching gears a little bit, I've also um, been thinking about this, the role of advertising, if, if you kind of shine a light on 2020 and where we are today, you know, I asked, I asked myself, you know, what is our role? What are, what are, what are marketers? What are advertisers? What are our role? What's our role in this moment? How can we continue to drive the conversation forward in a way that's meaningful and it doesn't feel like we're just trying to capitalize off of, dare I say, capitalize off of, you know, racial injustice. So, you know, how do we make sure that we're not more noise and we're actually doing meaningful and purposeful work to change the narrative? Yeah. One thing we always do is we, we always try and make sure that there's action attached to anything that we're putting out into the world. Okay. Creating awareness is great. And that is in some forms, in some form in action, um, because you're educating people on something that they may not know. But most of the time, the communication stops. I am aware. Uh, now I know I'm going to go, go on and, and, and go about you know, my day. And I think, unfortunately, that has become the norm with most causes, not just um, the things dealing with African Americans, but most causes, uh, there's a lot of awareness. But there's right. not a lot of action, which means that the needle doesn't move, which means we find ourselves in another summer, where more black men and women are being accosted by police and killed, uh, because there has been no sizable action to address the injustice, just awareness. And I think that's it's a really smart and insightful um, reaction or comment because as you talked initially about acknowledgement and awareness, while all those things are extremely important because we continue to see pockets of the country who don't recognize that this is a huge, huge um, issue, but taking action is even more important. So how do you make sure that action is really rooted and intrinsic to the work that you're putting out. And if you could use an example to kind of help illustrate how action, how action forward or action oriented the work that you're doing is. It can't be um, an afterthought, right? So it has to be built into the idea, right? And if it's built into the idea, then it's a natural, you know, people, most, most people don't want to get beyond um, taking in some information, especially if it's advertising, because they want to get a, get on with their day, right? And sometimes right. advertising gets in the way, right? Yeah. So they're like, you know, this thing is over. I got it. I actually felt something. Thank you. Um, but if you create a certain level of desire where they, they actually want to investigate and find out more, or you, you intrigue them enough where they feel like they didn't, they didn't close the loop with that ad, right? The awareness was great but you provoke them uh, and you, you spark something outside of wanting just general awareness, but a, a desire to actually learn and get deeper. Um, a, that means your, your ad was successful. And then B, you've hooked them in and that's where real change starts to happen. So, um, you know, with, with P&G, um, as an example, you know, we, we've, we spent a lot of time working on the interactive site that was attached to the look, right? So the look was, 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 a, was the, commercial that we did um, about unconscious bias. It was the, it was sort of the day in the life of an African-American man and all the microaggressions, the silent microaggressions that he goes through during the course of his day until the end. And what we, what you saw when you went to the site was each of those moments, each of those vignettes 
was a parallel to events that happened in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, historical events. Mm-hmm. And then we paralleled it to a very similar, if not exact, event in you know 2016, 2017, 2018, this current century. So what you learned was things haven't changed much. Right. Um, and they've, they've just, you know, it's just in color now, right? Or captured on camera. Yeah, it's in 4K. Um, but things haven't changed much. And so that's revealing, right? So there's, there's, there's a deeper desire to, um, to, to learn more because obviously when, when, when people, when activists talk about nothing moving, people shake their head and point to Obama and, you know, they say that, you know, look, you know, schools are integrated. So what are you, what are you complaining about? What are you talking about? What is racism now? It's different. Um, so you have to kind of bring people back to the data and the reality of the moment to get them to really realize that we haven't really moved as much as you think we have. Right. So something that a couple of things that you said really struck me, or, well, as I continue to kind of do this work myself, that the action needs to be built into the brief. And so obviously it can't be an afterthought. And I think with the type, this type of work, and I think with all the advertising that we're doing, and that we should really hold ourselves to a higher standard of, well, awareness is great, the provocation, right? It's getting someone to kind of see or rethink or reframe how they see the problem. So if it's if it's racism, if it's um, homophobia, whatever it is, that they're really now uh, consciously thinking about what they've said, what they what they're doing, and trying to think about well, how is this this piece of work um, really trying to change my perceptions and how I think and go about you know addressing or speaking to someone of color or someone who's in within the LGBTQ community. So really smart and that leads me to the next question about the which i really love the concept of the peace brief so can you first start by telling us a little bit about what it is how it works and uh an idea that actually derived from that brief the you know it's funny if i'm being honest we the original idea was that we were going to create an annual brief and put it out into the world, collect ideas mm-hmm. from the community, um, the creative community, and you know, even further out than that, anyone who was inspired to write right. brief. And we were going to take in those ideas, we were going to, you know, creative direct those ideas, and then put them out into the world as a solution to a creative solution to whatever problem we were trying to solve, which was the brief, right? Um, and every year we're going to come up with one thing that we were going to talk about, be it, um, you know, police brutality or, um, you know, incarceration or, you know, miseducation, what have you. Uh, that didn't work. And I'll tell you why. There's two reasons why. We realized we weren't able to manage that process. And it's not just about the intake because we got a few briefs. I mean, we got a few, a few people, you know, submitted a few creative thoughts. Um, but, we didn't have the the effort and energy to really go out and 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 enlist enlist people to do the work for free, right? Mind you. Um, and so we realized we had to do it, right? And we had to go in there and actually solve those problems, which is what we do every day. And it wasn't it wasn't out of selfishness. It was just it was just based in the fact that the only way that we could at least start this organization was that we rolled up our sleeves and went out and made the work first. 
And I, I still have a deep desire. I'm not going to speak for my co-founders, but I still have a deep desire to use that model, to create that model. Uh, I just think we, we might've, um, we might've got a little ahead of ourselves. We needed to build the organization first, demonstrate to the world what this organization is about, uh, and then get it to a certain point where we have, um, enough resources to manage something as unwieldy as that. Um, but, but for now, I think as we grow and put more work out into the world, people are starting to see, know, and understand what we do and starting to raise their hand and say, Hey, how can we help? Okay. Uh, actually you kind of answered my next question because I was starting to think about what are some adversities or setbacks that you faced as you started to, to build the organization. And it sounds like that the peace brief is a, a real a significant learning uh, curve or experience that you had to kind of put it out in the world and see, and then pivot quickly to, to mitigate any further problems. Are there, were there any other setbacks that you can think of as you, you know, started to grow the organization? I, I think that was the biggest one. You know, I think we had to work out like any business cause we are a business. Um, you know, roles and responsibilities. Um, you know, I think it's even harder when it's not your everyday job. Right. So who's answering that email? Uh, who's going on the shoot? Who's, who's managing the client today? Um, and you know, whose idea is going forward? Are we putting, who's, wh- how, where are we finding resources? How are we allocating money to scholarships? Um, which scholarships or, or which organizations are we donating this money to? All those things are, um, they were just learning curves for us because we had never done a nonprofit like this before. I don't think anyone had. And we had not worked together before. So we had to just work through those kinks. But as you continue to grow, as as you continue to work through the kinks, what, what are your visions? What are your visions for 2020 and, and beyond? I, I think we we have a few aspirations. We're we're going to. This is the first public announcement of this. We have a desire to do a few things. We want to invest in physical real estate. We want. We have a desire to open up uh, an educational center, um, which would be part library, um, and then you know part school. Uh, or some some form of uh, creative education and, and enlightenment through some teaching model that uh, would bring together you know a you know a variety of creative minds to help continue to solve these problems that we've been trying to solve now for four years. So the desire is to find the next generation of people of color creatives uh, who can carry this organization on uh, when we're not here. And the way to do it is to build build the house, invite the people in explain what we're trying to do, potentially educate them, and then give it all away. Wow. Well, first, thank you for sharing that. I'm so excited that you um, are sharing that first here on on this podcast. Uh, What I love about that is it ties back to a point that you said earlier about action. And this is another huge action as, as you kind of walk the walk by educating others, bringing up the next generation. Because I think if we, when I, you know, the protests that I've been to and all the articles and just being a part of this conversation now, what's been really important, exciting, and just heartwarming to see is that there are a lot of young people who are really at the forefront of the conversation 
and really driving, I think they're putting their bodies, their lives on the line every single day. And I think it's super important to have a space and a place for them to to really learn and continue the the great work. Because we can't say five or 10 years from now that we don't have any Black creatives or we don't have anyone to do this work. So it's really building on that, which is which is which I love so much. Um, throughout your journey building Saturday Morning, what's the best advice you received? When it comes to this subject, and this is very different than how I actually move through most of my life. Uh, I don't. I only take this theory up when it comes to my people, my race, my history, and what we've been through. If anyone tells you to wait or not right now or soon, they're in the way and they're, they're the, they're impeding progress. There is no more waiting with this. There is no more tomorrow with this. It has to be right now, not now, right now. And if it's not, then we are wasting our time. And they, it's just us waiting on the next powder keg to explode in this country and devolve us into further demise and hatred and inequality. So I, I, in, my, in my everyday life, I, I generally think, you know, look, I, I want to I take my time and I'm generally pretty patient. Um, I, I try not to rush through things because I want to take it all in. But not with this. We have to move as a people. I couldn't agree with that more. Um, I think progress now, right? That has to be the way forward. No more waiting, no more, you know, it can happen. No more overthinking, strategize for sure, plan for sure, but plan for now. Uh, so, so important. I think as I reflect on the moment and just on this conversation, my biggest fear with all of, with this current situation is that people will forget, people will move on. People will go back to their day-to-day lives. Things, you know, things will start happening, and it's like, no, the moment is now. We need to fix this now. So I, I totally underscore that sentiment. As I was just, you know, doing some research, I came across a, a statement on your website that I'd love for you to expound on a little bit more. So it mentions the true success of your organization can only be realized when Saturday morning no longer needs to exist. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that really means and how you guys came to that conclusion? I'm not going to speak for my co-founders, although we we very much crafted that statement and it was very intentional. And we, we wanted it to be the center of the letter that we just put out uh, for the reasons that uh, you can you can imagine. Um, but I'll, I'll speak for myself here and say that we don't want to have to do this. We would we would much rather exist and be with our families and, and, and experience the American dream, just like everybody else. Right. But we know we have to. So the goal of this organization is to dissolve this organization because the change will make it irrelevant. And I know that's obviously not something that'll happen anytime soon, but our goal is, is that we don't have to sit around and, have podcasts and talk about uh, equality and, and the fact that our lives matter. 
Um, these things, these things should be so obvious, but the, so the fact that we have to do it makes our, our organization necessary. Uh, but the goal of our organization is to uh, make our, 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 our daily walk uh, with Saturday morning unnecessary. I think that is probably one of the most powerful statements that I've read in a long time in terms of how people are thinking about the movement and the current situation. And so I'm glad that you were able to really expound on it and give your a deeper reflection, because I think I think you're right. It would it would be great to walk and feel free, right? It would be great to to know that you show up to a space and you're 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 equal to the next person, you know, the person standing next to you. These are things that Black people don't feel currently. To start an organization with the ultimate goal of not wanting to exist in the future is pretty mind blowing, to be honest. Is there anything else? This is kind of for you that you'd love to say about your organization. I, I can talk about Saturday morning all day long. The more we have conversations like this and people hopefully hear these messages, they'll, they'll start to see, know, and understand, um, you know, what, what it's all about and what we're trying to do and, and show advocacy towards it, whether it's Saturday morning or some other organization that's, that's similar. Um, and, you know, I, I just, you know, I just want to send out um, encouragement to anyone who is not black, but who is interested in allyship with, Saturday morning or other organizations, we need everyone to make any kind of change. Um, we, we can't do it alone. We've tried uh, for the most part uh, in, our, in the early parts of our history. Our grandparents tried, our great-grandparents tried. Um, and, and now we've, we've come to the realization, I think the world has come to the realization that um, we all need to be a part of this in order to change it. So that's all I'll, that's all I'll say. Okay, so Janelle, having collaborated with Keith outside of this podcast, what did you learn in this conversation that you didn't know before? So it was a really, really interesting and productive conversation. I think we could have probably continued talking for at least an hour, but there were some things that really stood out for me, and it was a mix of both professional and personal. A majority of the conversation was centered around his organization Saturday morning and the moment of desperation that led to starting it. Fast forward a few years later, and our nation is still grappling with racism and police brutality. As Black people navigating this daunting world, they were compelled to do and say something. For Keith and for the other co-founders, it really was about motivated by creativity, and they wanted to figure out how they can do something and bring change. So something else that really stood out for me as a planner was his comment about having real action built into every brief. For Saturday morning, it wasn't only about advertising and creating a message. The plan for creating um, educational resources and really pushing the next generation of creatives forward really was inspiring. Something else that really stood out for me was knowing that creativity isn't just relegated to the walls of our agency. If you see a problem in the world, you really have the agency um, and the ability to really go out there and try to try to address it. Some other things that resonated with me was the importance of friendship. And it was very clear with the partnership that he formed with the other co-founders. And it was really about how a professional relationship can transform into something personal. And that through this bond and through this vision, you can come together and create um, a bigger program, an idea, or even an organization. Yeah, I think one of the things that really stuck out to me as well is the, the importance of passion. When you really, really care 
uh, about something, there's always time. When I think of the four people who founded this, they're incredibly successful, very powerful people um, in this industry. And I promise they don't have loads of free time, but it's the, the importance of passion. When you really care, there always is time. And I know in this moment, a lot of people have passion, and I hope it's passion that continues to carry. And with that in mind, how can people learn more about Saturday morning and how they can help? We can learn more by checking out Keith's Twitter handle at KM Cartwright and Saturday Morning's website at saturdaymorning.co. And that's where you can find all their social media handles and more information about the organization. All right, that's fantastic. Thanks, Janelle. So that does it for us. If you'd like to hear how other creators, founders, and inventors thought up their ideas, subscribe to this feed wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to reach out to us with questions and comments on Gray's social channels or our email address, podcastsatgray.com. And lastly, tell someone about our show. It really helps. Thanks for listening to Gray Matter, a podcast about ideas. Gray Matter is hosted by John Petroulis, produced by Joey Scarillo, Danielle Hunt, and John Dillon. Mixed by Guy Rosemarin at Gramercy Park Studios. Additional support by Christina Hyde, John Jenkinson, Grace McDougall, Lydia Dizon, and Ryan Cunningham. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.